Welcome to Electrician U, the friendliest electrical forum on the internet where asking simple questions is nothing to be ashamed of. Electrician U, we have the solution for trade-related ignorance. I'm your host, Brock Lancaster, and my co-host for this evening is Matt Bergman. And today's topic is what employers and employees are seeking. Now, if you've ever been turned down for a job, or let's say even a job promotion, um, or it could even be like a raise, or in it, you know, it may not even had the opportunity to get that interview. Uh, it kind of leaves you asking yourself, "What could I have done differently uh, to, you know, basically change the outcome?" And you think to yourself, "If I could just see inside of the interviewer's head and find out, you know, what exactly were they thinking, or what were they looking for?" Um, because I know, without a shadow of a doubt, if I had a chance to get that position, or get that raise, or get that promotion. I definitely would have been worthy of what I was seeking. And conversely, if you run your own business or you manage a crew and, um, you know, basically if you're in that kind of position, you can appreciate the value of good help. Uh, in fact, everyone in those kinds of positions will say good help is hard to find. And you may not know what it takes to gain or retain good employees. Um, because like I've even heard people say, you know, business owners say I've trained half of my competition, which is a real thing that takes place. Uh, because bosses are always contending with, um, you know, basically spending all their time and resources training someone only for them to run off to go work somewhere else. And so retention is like a big deal for a lot of employers, much less trying to attract good talent. And so in that loyalty is a very important thing in our industry. And I think both sides, whether you're the employer or the employee, would probably say this loyalty thing doesn't ever mean a whole lot, or at least it doesn't mean as as much as it used to many years ago. And so some of us are out shopping on the job market or not finding the jobs that we like. Uh, some of us can't even get into the door anywhere uh, because we'll put in applications and make phone calls and we'll just get no hits. And conversely, employers, let's say the, the employers, they're having um, just as difficult of a time Finding somebody that is qualified, somebody that's intelligent, somebody who's self-starting, self-managing, uh, somebody who's self-motivated. And so at, Electri at, um, at Electrician U, we think that there's a, a breakdown in the communication and expectations on both sides, uh, just based on some of the things that we've been saying in our Discord chat and our social media platforms, uh, where basically, um, you know, that... Um, it's kind of like nearly impossible for either side to find exactly what they're seeking. Um, because sometimes an employee will refuse to accept the employment for good reasons. Uh, let's say if the company has a bad reputation or what have you, whereas there's also employers who reject applicants um, off of those same kind of reasons. But you can also be a situation where both groups, you know, kind of feel a little bit differently about one another. And if there was like a forum where we can communicate with one another, um, through that, I think that this could help solve a lot of those problems. Um, but let's get into this. So if we're talking about like what employers and employees are seeking now, I know Matt, you've never really been an employer, but as an employee, um, what, what, what makes you want to go work for somebody? I don't know how to really answer that question. Cause I, I didn't shop around much for my, the two employments that I had, I, uh, mm -hmm. was kind of forced into the. I say forced, but I pretty much, my buddy had been um, bugging me for weeks for coming into and helping them put up some, helping them with this job they had. Mm -hmm. And I was like, fine, I'll come help. And that was two years ago. 
Right. And I never looked back. And then the other job that I found was I just needed a I needed an electri- I needed an electrical job, so I just uh-huh. I saw I happened to see a banner on one of the shops that was nearby I said electricians apply inside. Mm-hmm. So I swung in there real quick. I started talking to someone and I ended up walking out of there with a job. Wow. So okay. I've never really like shopped around mm-hmm. when it comes to jobs. I just kind of, it just kind of happens for me. <laughs> That's not everyone's experience, but uh, yeah, it's I, but I have found that between like open, like big shops and small shops, mm-hmm. I prefer the, the cultures of a smaller one. So I will be looking for that going forward with my mm-hmm. future endeavors is I, I like the, 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 the closeness of the small shop environment rather than just being another electrician number four, five, three on mm-hmm. the spreadsheet on the bigger mm-hmm. companies. Yep. I see. So would you feel like maybe the same a small company feel if you went to a big company, but you had a foreman that knew you and knew everything about you. And you pretty much like work with the same small group of people on a regular basis Would that, um, dissuade you in any way for when it comes to like working for a big company. So I actually had that at, uh, at my last company I worked for, it was about, Mm -hmm. it was the same 15 guys. We Uh had two journeymen and yeah, everybody knew everything that was going on. Like we, we all went out to the bars together. We went to lunch together. Like all of us as like a group and it Mm -hmm. felt awesome being able to like go to work and have that camaraderie. Hey, these guys are in the trenches with me just Mm -hmm. as much as everyone else. The shop was kind of just this mystical place we went to for the Christmas party, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So it's, it's like, um, if like, you know, based upon your particular situation now, um, what would persuade you, let's say, to take another position? So in other words, I'm an employer. Um, I, I, I've heard of Matt Bergman. I know all the things he's capable of doing. I want him to come work for me like next week or, or even tomorrow. Um, what would you want from me as an employer to make, um, for you to make that move worthwhile? I would, I would want a truck and a helper. Okay. Mm-hmm. If it's if it's in a residential setting, right? So if we're talking strictly a residential setting, mm-hmm. I would want a truck and helper because I am completely self sufficient. Mm-hmm. I've had to, I have had to be for my entire career. Mm-hmm. So I I don't like having to work under someone who's just gonna how do I who's gonna like force me to go in his way because I'm already set in my ways because I've been on my own since I was six months out. Mm-hmm. So it'd it'd be really hard for me to like, okay, you're going to go, you're going to go with this journeyman. You're going to be his helper. I'm not a helper anymore. I am actually someone that makes money. So I would request a truck and a helper. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, one thing that employers are looking for, uh, uh, I think just based upon the fact that like I I worked in my family's business and um, I've had different supervisory roles over the years and, um, you know, given like the amount of investment that an employer has to make on the front end, um, they really want somebody who they can put to work so that, uh, you know, at least one of the things is they, they uh, can put somebody to work so they can start recouping some of that investment. And so I think even sometimes like if you come in to be, a, uh, let's say, a laborer or somebody who does the cleanup, uh, that might be a job that's needed to be filled immediately um, only because of the situation on the site that they're working on. And the fact that I don't have to train you a whole lot on how to push a broom, um, it gives me time to train you on some other things. And so um, I think that like you'd be very attractive to an employer uh, for the fact that, you know, they can just basically put you to work, give you a set of blueprints, put you in the truck, give you some tools 
and you know, I'll see you on Friday and you tell me what you did. And yeah. um, I th- I've heard horror but, stories of people who they get hired on to be an electrician and they sweep Connex boxes out for the first two years of their, mm-hmm. of their career and they don't know how to do anything because they got dropped into the middle of a, of a commercial site. Mm-hmm. And the, the, all the people there are like, we don't have time to train you on anything. So you're just going to sit there and sweep and clean up after us because we can't train you on stuff. Right. Uh, I understand that, that like sometimes you get dropped in the end of a project and being dropped into the middle of a project is absolutely the worst thing ever. Mm-hmm. Coming yep. in, not knowing what's going on, where anything's going and having to relearn it on the mm-hmm. fly is mm-hmm. rough. And, and so I can understand like, oh, for that project. But then you, you have to, as a, as an, as a new employee, you have to actually like push your employers to get you to do more. Cause if you want more, they're just going to be content with whatever job they're assigned to you. They'll be content with you doing that job. You have to actually like go to them and say, Hey, I'm not sleeping out Connex boxes anymore. So I'm either on another project or I'm not here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and what you're talking about is something that had happened to me uh, because I had been involved with alarm systems and low voltage systems for most of my career. And so when I went to go work for an electrical company, um, just like you're talking about, I got dropped into the middle of a project because they were short a low voltage guy. And so I came in with the understanding or at least the uh, semi um, agreement that I would learn electrical trade while I was here. And it kind of made sense. I mean, why wouldn't I learn electrical trade while I'm working for an electrical company doing a low voltage stuff? Because I came in halfway into that project. I did so well. They're like, oh, well, we need to put you on this one and put you on that one, put you on that one. And like for the next eight years, all I was doing was access control and security cameras and uh, AV systems and things like that. And I really never got my hands on the electrical side of things, um, except for like some special situations here and there. But for the most part, um, they weren't really going to train me. And so it's like I had to get to a point where I had to be self-taught and learn the books and take advantage of the company resources. And then when I got to the point where I built myself up and I said, hey, I got my license. Can I be an electrician now? Um, They pretty much told me no in not so many ways. So I had to basically be prepared to make that move, which I did to end up. I ended up, you know, basically working for another company after that, you know, I didn't leave, you know, with um, any kind of malice or bad feelings and everything. It's just that when I was ready to be an electrician and I made that known and it never happened, um, I was at least in the position where I built myself up to where I was able to uh, uh, move on and not be like, uh, um, where where I could really just, you know, write my own ticket from that point forward. Yeah, I, I feel like as a as someone who you're being trained up in the industry, like you need to talk to people and say like, hey, I've done this, this thing we're doing a million times. I bent 17 miles of pipe. Let me pull mm-hmm. some wire. Let me land some some conductors, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. I have I, my helper that I have right now. He's been an electrician for two years in the commercial industrial side. All mm-hmm. he's done is run conduit and pull wire. Right. He has never landed a panel. He's never had to troubleshoot. And the last month that I've had him, he's been like, I've learned more in the last month than I've learned in two years of being a commercial guy. And it's like, it's sad Mm -hmm. that you have these people that they get stuck in this trap of just coming to work and they just, they run pipe or they just Mm -hmm. pull wire and that's all they do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because I was talking about, you know, what employers are seeking and it's really employers are seeking that, that proverbial box builder. 
I just want this one guy. If I can just get one guy and all he does is bend pipe or all he does is organize the, the materials, I'll be happy. And your employees don't want to do that for the rest of their career in most circumstances. What I like about small shops is in small shops, there is no material manager guy. There is no pipe bender guy. There is, Aha. No, there is no like one person for that job. Aha. It is literally, you have to wear all the hats at once. Yes. And I, I, I work in all departments. Yeah. And there are things obviously different people are better at. Like there are people that can bend pipe a million times better than I can. Mm-hmm. There are also people that can't do what I do and they're just not physically capable of doing what I do. Mm-hmm. Not going to name any names, but <laughs> right. And I, I enjoy having to wear all the hats and constantly have to change the hat. Like one, one new hat that I've put on recently is becoming a crew leader. I stepped up from being the helper to actually like running the truck and having to plan out jobs, get material stage product for the next day. Mm-hmm. And it's been, it's been a it's been a hell of a learning curve. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. Because um, that's one of the things that I have forgotten about working for a small shop. I mean, I wasn't doing electrical work for a small shop. I was actually doing carpentry um, early in my career in the trades. And um, that was one time where it was like basically five people on the crew. And um, we were doing a lot of work for the VA where we were installing uh, ramps and wheelchair lifts and that sort of thing. And of course, there's a little bit of electrical involved in that, which they put me in electrical work. But in doing that, you know, there was no labor and there was no materials guy and there was no cleanup guy. It's like all five of us did all five, you know, did every, every single thing that needed to be done. And I think like the good and bad of that, or at least the, the pros and cons of that, is that, um, well, let's say the pros of that was that everybody was able to learn everything involved in the business. And even though we didn't really do the management side of things by being there with the boss, you know, he could just basically vent to us, or not even vent, but just like talk about what's going on with the business, talk about how much money we made on that last job. Um, he could freely tell us um, some of the pitfalls he ran into and people that are suing him and that sort of thing, where in a, in a bigger company, the boss really can't share that because there's all kinds of people who may try to use that against the company. Um, so that's, that is definitely one advantage for working um, in a smaller shop. Yeah. And to some people that can also be a downside where they, they want to wear just one or two hats. They want to be the mm-hmm. pipe guy or they want to be the wire pulling guy. Yeah. Everyone's different. Like everyone has their specialization. People are better at some things than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw a comment from JD that he has, he's running a crew and he has in his, co- in his crew right now is one of the guys who's the best at building services in the company. And mm-hmm. he was building the service and it's like, well, that's just uh delegation. You, you, yes. you do what the people are best at, but also mm-hmm. you don't have him building services 24 seven. I doubt on a small crew. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yep. Yep. But then I also think that like, um, even like with those big companies, they still need somebody who's willing to do whatever needs to be done. Just like we were talking about earlier, you know, coming into the middle of a project and you just kind of drop you in the middle somewhere of like, you know, sweeping out the context boxes. And um, so in the bigger shop, uh, um, I think that is both good and bad because it gets you employed immediately. Um, but by being willing to by, you know, basically you're willing to do whatever is needed to be done right now at this point. Um it does show that you're a team player, 
And um, it kind of puts you ahead of all the other guys, like with their fancy resumes and uh, let's say their job recommendations and their references and that sort of thing, because it's like, well, this guy is going to roll up his sleeves and get dirty right now. So we know that we can use him for just about anything. We know wherever we put him, he's going to take to it like a fish to water. Um, but I think the mistake that a lot of employers make is that if the guy wants to do other things and they say, no, 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 you're perfectly fine doing this, just stay right here, you're eventually going to lose that employee. Yeah, yeah, you will. Because if that employee is, is someone who is hungry and wants to actually like further his career, mm-hmm. there are people who they're okay being box builders. Yep. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's perfectly an adequate. That's, that's definitely a position that is needed on those bigger production jobs. Mm-hmm. But the people that are hungry, if you just say, no, you're going to rough in houses until you die. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then that guy's going to be like, I've roughed in 500 houses of the past two months. I'm mm-hmm. going to do something different, whether it's with y'all or another company. Mm-hmm. Because another employer is going to take that, that person's drive and work ethic, and they're going to take it, and they're going to run. It may not be the, the next company they work for, the company of that, but someone will take advantage of that at some time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then even like, you know, people, I guess like the opposite of people who are pigeonholed into a particular uh, um, type of, uh, of job on, on, on the crew, um, then there's also people who decided that they're only going to do one thing because that's what they want to do. Let's say, you know, I've got to say you got a guy who um, comes in a nice pair of tennis shoes and slacks talking about, oh, no, I only terminate panels. I only terminate panel boards and I only, uh, um, you know, terminate the meter. I, I don't get my hands dirty. I don't climb under houses. I don't do any other, you know, wire pulling, none of that. And um, I don't know if you can really find a company that will say, okay, you know, we'll give you a nice cushy position working on, 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 uh, um, working on panels. I don't know. We had a guy like that at my last project. Okay. And, all, and he they, and he, was, all he did was terminate panels, set ground rods and meter bases and AC disconnects. Mm-hmm. But, but did he that, work his way up to that point or, or, or did he come in getting, getting that position? I'm pretty sure he worked his way up to that point. Okay. Because everyone else on that project was a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> so there wasn't much competition. Yep. But yeah, I, I think people who say I'm going to do this, if he, when you come onto a job mm-hmm. with no prior background, you mm-hmm. have no say in what you do. Right. Yes. So That's true. you have to just come in and embrace the suck and do whatever they ask you to do. Absolutely. In my opinion. Mm-hmm. No, you know, you're, you're absolutely right because it's like if I'm an employer here and I've got certain tasks that need to be done, I see certain tasks that are not getting done. So the next applicant that comes through the door has got to be somebody who can fill this void. It's yeah. like, you know, one, one day you want to be the service builder. Okay, I, I, I'm taking note of that, but right now I need somebody to sweep the Connex boxes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, mean I, I would do it. I'd be complaining the whole time I was super the context <laughs> but yeah. I would still do it, right? Mm-hmm. I have always been the person where I am, I am not content just being the one hat kind of guy. I have to be doing everything all the time at all times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm not having a good day unless my hair is on fire from four different things going on at once. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> so that's just that's just how I am as a worker. And mm-hmm. I have always been the person that, like, if you tell me that, okay, you got to go in the attic for two hours, I, I'm going, better bring me water every couple, every 20, 30 minutes, you know? Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think that also varies, you know, from employer to employer, because some employers would like that, uh, because it's almost like 
you know, when you have a crew that you can show off to other people, say, yeah, here goes Matt. He's always running around. He's like my best, most dedicated worker, you know, when when really it's just a matter of, of Matt is always subjecting himself to all kinds of, uh, of fires. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, you know, another employer can look at that and say, well, Matt definitely is not very well organized and he doesn't manage his time. And so as a result, we see that he's running around like crazy. Yeah, I think that just depends on uh, if you're in the office or in the field. That that's True. where the the breakdown comes in. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of disconnect from like, okay, it can it can show I went to six different jobs that day mm-hmm. and I went to a couple of them twice. Mm-hmm. Well, did I go to a couple of them twice because I forgot something, or did suddenly someone add something didn't tell me I had to go back and do redo work? Right. That's yeah. where that kind of the breakdown happens between, and either way. I think having someone that's willing to run around in circles chasing their own tail screaming is valuable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, I I think for some employers, it can really drive them nuts. If you see, you know, one of your employees, he's just, you know, calm and walking around slow, dragging his feet, but everything is done, but he has no energy. He looks like he has no energy, but he has no drive. But everything is done. Everything you get him to do gets done in a timely manner. And, you, and, and so, hmm? I don't think there's a problem with that. Like, if you've got things under control, that well, man, kudos to you. You're, I want to yep. work on your sites. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I think, like, for some employers, it's always like about the perception. Yeah, yeah. I would say so. You know, especially like you're talking about, you know, especially if, let's say, you have um, a supervisor who works in the office more than they do out in the field. Yeah, like yeah. Where it's like every time I see him, he's walking around and he's not doing anything. Not realizing because it's already done. Once again, I think it just comes down to a lack of knowing what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if exactly. everything's done and he's just taking a break, but mm-hmm. everything's hitting deadlines and there's no issues, man, let him take his breaks. Everyone's yeah. got a different work, work pace, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's, it's like... Well, we're going to start kind of change gears on this a little bit because the other thing like we had talked about earlier in this introduction was even like with the uh, resume situation. Because I find a lot of times uh, when you apply for a job, especially they're talking about not so much the small shop, but the large shop where you have an HR department and a recruiting department and different levels that you have to go through before you actually get to the real decision maker. And what I find is that everyone at a different level is almost looking for a completely different type of resume. Whereas like, let's say the gatekeeper is looking for a resume with a lot of uh, alphabet soup on it, or a lot of, uh, let's say certifications or schooling or that sort of thing, where like the top guy, he may be saying, or the, or the manager or foreman or crew chief, he's saying, you know, can this guy, you know, pull a bunch of number sixes through, through a one inch pipe. You know, he's like, that's, that's the guy I need. And so I don't know if it's a situation where you have to have three different resumes, you know, one to get through the um, gatekeeper, then you need one to kind of go through the final review process. And then once you get to the actual form and the guy you're going to be working with, you say, yeah, forget about everything you got on your desk. I'm going to give you my real resume. This is what I really did. Um, yeah, I, honestly, I, I can't talk on any of that because I've honest to God, never written a res- resume. Mm-hmm. I've like the, the shop that I applied to, I walked in and I was talking to the HR lady. Yeah. I, I, I had mentioned, Hey, I have about a year of experience in a residential 
and we just got to chit chat and I was filling out my application. And before I had my application filled out, I had an interview lined up. Wow. And that's been my experience. Cause I, I, I like to go to the places I apply in person. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I know that's kind of out of style nowadays, but I feel like showing up in person just is like, I want this job. You want to mm-hmm. hire me because I'm here in person talking to you about wanting this job. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that goes really far. I haven't had to write a resume. I'm sure my time's coming. Sure. <laughs> but I've never had to write one. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And, and then even like along those lines of what employees are seeking, even like an intake process, you know, some of them just don't have the guts to basically walk in straight off the street and say, I'd like a job. It's like they would probably rather, you know, send something through email and hope they get a phone call. Yeah. And I'm sure those same people wouldn't want to crawl under a house that's full of mud and bugs because (laughs) the job calls for it. I mean, if you don't Mm -hmm. have the balls to go talk to someone, because a lot of our, a lot of our industry is talking to people. Yes. Homeowners, GCs, your journeyman, like communication is a very important part of this industry. If you're not willing to communicate that you want this job in the most surefire face to face way, Mm -hmm. I don't feel like you're going to go very far. Like that's just, that's, that's just my take on that though. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I I think any employer would probably agree with you. Because um, it's like when the rubber meets the road and you really have to perform and I have to get on your case sometimes, I don't want you to be afraid of me coming to talk to you about your poor work performance. I mean, that's always a conversation you you gotta, you gotta have. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, even if they're, even if they're doing good, like, just talking to your people and saying, Hey, you're doing great. Hey, we need to work on this. Having mm-hmm. that communication of it being okay to talk about you're doing good and you're doing bad. That's super important to the employer mm-hmm. and the employee. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I'll I, I tell you what else is, is important to the employee uh, just based on a comment I'm reading here is that I think that an employee who's applying for a job or seeking a job um, is probably looking for um, a quick response you know, if, if like, let's say if the only way to apply is online and because like a lot of times these HR departments, recruiting departments are sw- swamped with doing other things that they don't always get to all the resumes or they may not be able to have time to read through all the resumes. And so they never get a response. And it's like one of the comments that I'm looking here in the Discord chat uh, where someone said I wasted months applying uh, for jobs online, but I got a job in two days by calling companies and asking if they were hiring. And um, I think that just generally speaking, anybody who's applying for a job, whether in person or online, is looking for a pretty quick response. So at least I know whether I should be waiting for this job to come through or if I should go apply somewhere else. Yeah, and I think that's when, like, you know, you talk about having the HR people just being busy with other stuff. If Mm -hmm. you show up and demand to talk to somebody, Mm -hmm. you're being put ahead of all the other resumes in line. Yep, exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, for this first half of our podcast, uh, we pretty much like talked about what employers and employees are seeking in terms of becoming employed. Um, But then the other thing we can also go into is what employers and employees are seeking when they're already together on the job, when I'm already hired, when I already have my employees. As an employer, this is what I want for my employer, for my employee. As an employee, this is what I want for my employer. Uh, You got anything to share about that? Yeah, so okay. I, like I said, I've, I've recently became a crew lead, right? And I'm mm-hmm. responsible for getting stuff done. Like I become directly responsible for that. 
and I I was asked to be a helper, or mm-hmm. I, I asked my boss, hey, can you hire me a helper? So that way I can actually get things done without having to take twice as long because I can have some other end of the pull of the pipe to pull mm-hmm. wire. Yep. And yep. I told him like, you know, I want someone, I gave him what I wanted and help. I wanted someone that's actually hungry to learn. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then a small guy. Right. Because <laughs> I am a, a gorilla. So yeah. <laughs> what did he give me? He gave me another gorilla that was also hungry to learn. But yeah, he's a cool guy. I'll, I'll pass on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, exactly. I mean, it's okay to ask for what you want, even if you don't get it. It is. Uh, the biggest thing for me is that I have someone that is actually wanting to learn and become a better electrician. Cause that's what my boss is in that stage of his life where he's just trying to pass on his trade. He's mm-hmm. a 30 plus year master electrician. He's seen done yep. everything under the sun. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And he's just trying to pass on what he knows to the next generation of electricians. And yep. he's looking for that specific kind of person that they want to learn. They actually want to better themselves and become productive as a electrician. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Um, I would say also, um, it was not necessarily long lines, what you're talking about, but if we were to talk about like, um, what, you know, an employer would want, um, probably, even like somebody, well, for the most part, like somebody who doesn't require a whole lot of supervision. I mean, you know, granted, okay, so you're, you know, you've got a helper, somebody who wants to learn, somebody that you can easily train, somebody that's always listening. Yeah, that's that's definitely somebody that somebody wants. But I also think that um, employers are looking for somebody who could be a very good decision maker. It's like, and I don't even say a decision maker in terms of like some things you do have to ask your boss, you know, can you look at this? Is this going to be okay? But I think that it's like if they can give you the tools and the, the materials and, and the drawings and send you to work, that's very, very valuable. And so I think like if you have a job somewhere and you're already working, that's like um, if you're somebody's helper, I believe that you should be trying to learn the uh, how to read the drawings and how to learn the processes and how to plan ahead and how to anticipate certain things. So that way when you do ask for a promotion, you ask for a raise or something to that effect, um, you can say, well, I know how to do this, this, and that, and you can turn me loose on anything and I'll make it happen. Yeah. I think, I think it depends on like what, what company you're like, you're hiring, you're trying to either work for or company you're in because my, my small company, there are three of us, there are three Mm -hmm. of us in the whole company, right? Mm -hmm. It was my master, me and my helper. Yep. But if you're looking, if you're like wanting to go to the, the mid-sized or bigger companies, they don't want 14 new apprentices. They want one journeyman. They can just say, here's the keys. Go get things done. Here's the address. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then conversely, I think that most employees don't want to be micromanaged. And yeah. so you, because you do have people, you know, at, at that status where, you know, here are the keys, go to work. But then you may have a foreman who's going to be checking up on you every 15, 20 minutes. Where are you at now? Why is it taking so long? How long is it going to take between where you are now to where you're going? And I think over time, it kind of starts to wear on people. So it's like if you're trying to retain good employees, micromanaging is like one of those things that you really do not want to do. If you value them. Oh, yeah. 
No, like if you're if you're a journeyman or you know a, a three two year three year apprentice, mm-hmm. you your foreman should just say, "Hey, go get X job done," mm-hmm. and he should just move on to the next job. He yep. shouldn't have to micromanage people mm-hmm. who are more experienced in the trade with helpers and people who are less experienced. I totally get micromanagement. You got to make sure that everything's fine. Yes, but well, that's, man- have- that's management. <laughs> yeah, but when you have experienced help and they are people who are competent in the trade, let them loose and just make sure nothing burnt down. Yes, exactly. And even <laughs> if something burns down, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not irreparable. It, it really isn't. And if something burned down, you, you say, well, that's going to be a lot of paperwork. And you go, <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and you start going like trying to figure out what happened and how to prevent in the future, having a conversation with mm-hmm. your employees. Mm-hmm. I've always found that with the management I've worked under, if there was an open line of communication, they don't have to be friends. You don't have to like the person. You just have to right. have the manager employee relationship, right? Yes. But have it be Absolutely. a two way street. True. Yes. That is super important because if you just come at your guys berating them and that's all you do, every time they see your car pull up to a site, they're going to be like, Oh, here we go. We're going to yell at for an hour and a half. Exactly. Yeah. But if you walk up and you you bring you bring cold waters, you bring some food, like some snacks, or you know, yep. you come in, you joke with the guys, let them all take a break from the work when you come onto site. Mm-hmm. But you also berate them, like when they when it's needed, that hits so much harder than it than just someone who just yells all the time. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And e- even still, and along those lines, I think also it's like I think there's a way that you could be honest and not even. Uh, uh, be in a situation where, where like you're jumping on somebody's case where let's say if they screwed something up and it's going to cost a lot of money to fix, you know, you say, yeah, that's going to be a lot of money, but Hey, we'll get it next time. Or, you know, that really, you know, put us behind schedule, but hopefully we can learn from this and move forward. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's how my boss is. Uh, he's Mm -hmm. super pretty, just mellow about almost everything Mm -hmm. and nothing really kind of like phases him anymore. So I could say like, hey, I just blew this panel up and we're going to have to replace it. Mm-hmm. All he's going to do is tell me like, well, what'd you do? And I'm like, I don't know what I did. It just blew up. And then he's going to come out and we're going to have a conversation. Like, okay, well, don't do that next time. Right. Oh, yep. by the way, here's how much that cost. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and then I've even had like bosses, you know, who, you know, kind of joke about that, you know, give you a hard time, you know, weeks and months later about it. Yeah. Yeah. Where we say, say, you know, we're, you know, we're put this new panel in, so don't let Matt anywhere near it. Yeah. My, my boss gave me the keys to the work truck. And mm-hmm. the other day we were working with a couple other of, of our, of another, a couple other guys from another company. And he opens the truck and he's like, Matt, 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 this truck is a disaster. And then he starts like mimicking how I put stuff in the truck and had everybody rolling on the floor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of, you know, brings levity to a more serious situation. Yeah, it does. And, and that's what I mean. Like if, you, if you're the boss that everyone genuinely likes, mm-hmm. when it comes down to brass tacks and you got to be a hard ass, it hurts so much more. Yeah. And means more to your guys. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I'm looking at some of the comments here in Discord chat. I see one where it says some guys want to be micromanaged. They don't know how to be self-sufficient. They're, incons- they're insecure. 
and they don't know the job site or have the experience to work independently. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's like, you know, one thing I noticed um, with one job that I worked at is that one, one of the biggest problems we had at that company is that we did not have enough chiefs. You know, most times you say, you know, too many chiefs, and not enough Indians. We could get 100, 200, 300 worker bees any day of the week. But we didn't have enough people who could manage them. We didn't have enough people who could guide them and direct them. And so it's like, you know, when you're dealing with a bunch of people who show up, yeah, I'm here, I'm ready to work, tell me what to do. And you say, okay, you know, do this, this, and that. And then they start, okay, well, where do I get the screwdriver from? And where do I get the nuts and bolts from? And now where do I get the bushings from? And it's like, you got to tell them every little, little thing. And so those are the guys that we're talking about who want to be micromanaged where they don't think about a single thing. They don't ever take the initiative on anything, but they're, you know, say, Hey, I'm here ready to work. Yep. I, I, I find it, I find it very funny to work on a crew that has multiple people who they're the, the go getter type mm -hmm. and they start working over each other and like, yep. Oh, I was going to do that. You just like, okay, I got to do this. Now I got to do that. And like, they just start like, the 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 go getting just kind of like gets in the way because they're not yes. managers they're go getters yeah and no one's there to channel the the energy they have mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely and then in another comment here um let's see just replying to um the other comment about being micromanaged saying there's definitely at least two different personality types one is a self-starter and the other um that's excellent at following orders which kind of also links into uh, another comment here uh, where they say, um, I've got three rules and they're simple. Do what you're told, don't disappear, and show up on time. And I think that's, that's, that's definitely a good rule for somebody, you know, that, that especially, you know, they're going to need their handheld at least. Because I, I know of, of a lot of supervisors and a lot of foremen, um, that's all they care about. They say, if you show up on time, we can work out with, we can work with the rest. Um, if you do exactly what I tell you to do and you might have done it wrong, hey, we can fix that. Or they say, hey, and don't disappear. I, I got to be able to find out where you are. If you're out on the corner texting every five minutes, you know, that's going to be a problem for me. And you can teach so, a monkey you know, how to turn a wrench, but you can't teach someone how to be motivated. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, and I think like I, because I, I've had helpers like that um, who are very, I don't want to say unmotivated, but basically not very good at being self starters. And so it's like they're always coming back to me, okay, what's next? What's next? And it almost tells me that if I can't keep them running on their own for at least an hour, then somewhere along the line, I'm failing in the way that I'm managing them or instructing them. And so I don't always want to put it on the employee if, let's say, if if they're just the one that's, you know, good at following orders, but not really good at thinking ahead or anything like that. Thinking ahead is a huge, huge thing that, that I wish more people would do. Right, but you can't expect everybody to do it, though. No, you can't expect everyone to have that 5,000-foot view mm -hmm. of of every project. Like I, I work, I work on smaller, like, you know, custom houses and remodels. Mm -hmm. And I have to know what the plumbers are doing, what the HVAC guys are doing, what the countertop guys are doing, what the customer finishes want. My helper just has to know this GFI here. There's plugs here. There's a switch here, three way here. Mm -hmm. And then it's my job to make sure that he's never not working. Right. And that yeah. is a, that, that is, learning that skill is hard. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, because um, 
it's very easy to get hung up on certain things. Let's say, for instance, you know, you give them that particular type of task and it involves like getting materials out of the gang box or wherever you keep them in the lockup. And if he doesn't know what he's looking for or what boxes that stuff is in or how it's packaged, he's going to be wasting a lot of time looking for stuff, not knowing is, you know, right under his nose. Finding, finding the golden, the golden egg among the sea of, what I see people post their, on their Discord of what their their apprentices do, like I see some of the pictures these guys post, and I just mm-hmm. I'm at a loss of words of how they managed to do the things they did. Yeah, mm-hmm. we had a guy post a picture the other day about a <clears throat> apprentice who had not only twisted a paddle bit but also had kinked it. Yes, right. <laughs> and it was like, how how do you do that? Mm-hmm. I have done both of those things separately, but never together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, like the, 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 you know, for lack of a better way to put it, you know, the saying goes, no matter how idiot proof you make something, always come up with a better idiot. And it doesn't necessarily mean the guy was an idiot because he was able to twist the bit. It's just that, you know, he did something that in, in a way that you would not have expected because you kind of cut him loose to kind of figure out his own way to do it. And so, you know, what, you know, you probably would have never thought of in a hundred years made perfect sense to him. Where let's say, for instance, like, you know, if you're drilling a hole through a wood stud and there's a nail in the way, you and I would know to back that drill bit out and drill somewhere else or see what else you can do. But he's like, you know, this this apprentice may go through and say, hey, you know, this bit keeps getting stuck on this nail. I'll tell you what, let me go get the whole hog and see if I can, you know, (laughs) if I can make this, make this paddle bit go through this wood stud, you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and sure enough, the whole hog didn't stop. You know, <laughs> I, I honestly, I didn't even think about that. I'll have to try that. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I only see, know this. Go ahead. If you guys see me, if you see me posting about I'm in a hospital, y'all know what happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, because and, and I know this because like I, I was when I was um, installing alarm systems uh, at the time I was working for the company. We were short on tools. And so um, I didn't have a power drill, or I think I broke mine. And so I ended up having to drill everything with the whole hog. I mean, I was putting little 316 bits in the whole hog to drill holes for, you know, stuff we were putting on the wall. So, you know, using the whole hog for everything, you know, for setting screws, hanging drywall. So it, the, you, have, you said you were an employer, right? Uh, yeah, for a short time. Yes, I was. Okay. So... I'm, 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 I think I'm going to ask this question on the behalf of a lot of apprentices out here, right? Yes, absolutely. So why is it that in most cases the employee has to be on the verge of quitting for us to get a raise or for them to realize, oh, hey, maybe we should give this guy a raise. Why can't that be a proactive thing? Why can't the employers realize, hey, this guy produces a lot. Why don't we toss a couple more bucks an hour his way so we don't lose him? Uh, because it's almost, because it's, it's, it's a market just like any other market. It's like, you know, would you pay, you know, one price for your favorite, let's say, let's just say like, if you're going to get pizza, um, would you pay $12 for a large pizza when this other place down the street sells it for $8? And as long as that pizza place is still going to keep selling that pizza for $8, you're not going to the $12 place, even though the $12 place probably has better pizza. And so it's like, because you're willing to sell for $8 pizza. So let's say you have this employee who's every, you know, every bit of every bit worth of, um, uh, he's, he's worth every bit of what he's asking for as far as a raise goes, but he may not 
um, what he's possessing is not exactly what we need. Where let's say you have a guy who can do this, this, and that. He can do so many different things, and he does it all that well. But the only thing I need him for is to sweep out the Connex boxes. And so I may be paying him more than the going rate for the Connex box. Um, but because he's good at doing other things, when I mean to do those things, um, I have to decide, is it you know really that important for me to keep him? Or is it uh, uh, um, okay to let him go? And it's like the best example somebody uh, ex uh, showed me is like when a parent sees their child growing up, they never think that their child, you know, is a full adult until they actually leave home and go do something else, work for somebody else, live in a different city. And a lot of times as employers, you know, it, we, we, you know, don't see the value of that employee until they're gone or at least until we see them, you know, uh, thriving somewhere else. And I don't want to say that it's necessarily like a bad thing or, or, or a neglectful thing. It's just that it's like a matter of perspective. Um, where I hate to put it in, in, in a way where you say, you know, you don't know what you got until it's gone. But I think that when you go away and you prove yourself, you're much more valuable to me versus, you know, what you've been doing for me up to this point. And I, and I know it doesn't sound fair and it doesn't sound nice and everything. Uh, um, but if I'm thinking about like, um, you know, keeping the business afloat and being profitable and everything. And I know that you'll work for one price when you really want more. Um, and I know that if I can replace you for what I need you to do uh, for a much lower rate or even at the same rate, uh, that's the gamble I'm going to take. But then when you get to the point where you're saying, okay, I'm ready to make a move. Now we're serious. Now we're having a serious discussion. Now it's making me think, you know, you, you actually leaving is real to me now. It wasn't real when you were talking about it, but now that you've got a new job offer, now it's real to me. Now we can have a serious discussion about, you know, can we give you a raise? Yep. So you hear that, boys? Whenever you go to ask for a raise and you're not confident that you're going to get the raise, make sure you have a couple of job offers lined up and mm -hmm. make sure you go into asking for a raise with a list of stuff that you've, um, you've improved on since you've gotten hired on. Mm -hmm. But also, yeah. on the other hand, if your employer says, hey, we're not going to give you a raise, but here's what we want you to work on so we can give you that raise. Write that down, take it to heart, and come back in three months. Yeah. And, and, and see, the biggest frustration for a lot of employers is that employees only care about how much money they're making. And they care very less about the operations of the business or making the business more profitable. Now, understandably, as an employee, that's not really your job to worry about or your job to think about. Um, you know, because you're there so that way you can earn money to take care of yourself and your family and pay your bills and that sort of thing. Whereas me as an employer, it's my job to make as much money as I can for myself, my company, and if I have any investors or stockholders in it. Yeah. I mean, and as an employee, like your company is not in charge of taking care of you. I think that's, that's a misconception that a lot of people have nowadays is that it's your employer's job to make sure that you're getting all your wages and it's mm -hmm. your responsibility. You have to go get it yourself. Nothing's free in this world. Go out, get what you're, get what you're worth. That's, that's the it's long and simple of it. Ab ab absolutely. Um, absolutely. Because just like if um, I'm, I'm being redundant here when I say this, but it's like, if you're even like a, a, a an entrepreneur and you're actually selling something that you build or make, um, you do want to sell it to the highest bidder. You're not going to give somebody a discount when you got somebody else on the other side who's willing to pay you what you're asking and even more. 
if you were basically if you were selling your car, you're going to sell your car to the highest bidder. And so I think that like as an employee, you know, you also have to be able to say, okay, well, who's going to pay me the most based upon what I'm able to do. Yeah, and, and also take into consideration like your work, mm-hmm. your work environment. Like, do you like the people you work with? Sure. Because if if you can take a couple more, if you take like a dollar, two dollar an hour raise, but you get to keep the same group of people, and you like the work, you just need a little bit more money. Mm-hmm. You don't have to take that job offer that you went and found. You're right. Exactly. Like that that job offer is just the backup plan and a bar and a power move. That's all it is. Right. And, you know, someone gave me some advice. Best advice they ever gave me is that you should always know what you're worth in the open market. Just because you're shopping doesn't mean that you have to buy. And if you're out there and you see that you're worth more in other places, you don't necessarily have to take advantage of it. You necessarily have to take the job. Just go out there, interview. You know, you don't have to tell an employer and an employer asks you, when can you start? You say, well, I'm just shopping around right now. If, you know, the price is right, I may make a decision. If not, you know, I just appreciate the time that we took to talk to each other. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with taking that time out of their their day to do that. It only helps you in the long run. Absolutely. And it helps the employer also because it kind of gives them a snapshot of what's going on in the market. Um, Because I have actually been on interviews where, you know, I wasn't going to take the job, but the interviewer still wanted to talk to me. He said, well, what's up? What else is going on out in the industry? And yeah, so your boots on the ground, they're sitting behind an office. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And it was even like, you know, some of them have even like stayed in contact with me, you know, asked me later on, hey, you know, we still have a job opening available if you want to come work for us. But really what he was trying to do is talk to me for a little bit to see what else was going on. Yeah. So as an, as an employee, don't be afraid to play hardball with your bosses. like. Mm-hmm. As much as they're in control of your paycheck, you're also in, in in charge of their paycheck as indirectly as it may be. If you're working in service, like big production projects might be harder to affect that. But you still, if you leave, that's going to hurt because that's one less body they have to do jobs. Mm-hmm. So yes, exactly. Understand your position that just because you're an employee doesn't mean you have no power. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, because because even though you have the employee-employer, it's also a partnership to some degree. Uh, as, as silly as it sounds, it's, it's somewhat of a partnership because your employer really does not know what's on your mind until you tell them. Because I'm sure your boss tells you every time you're messing up, every time you didn't do something right, or even times when you've done a good job. And this comes but, back to my favorite C word, communication. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and so I don't know if we ever, you know, as employees think to ourselves to reciprocate that, to tell the employer how they're doing, you know? Yep. And, and I don't know if even, even, even that sort of thing even exists, if, if, if that uh, uh, venue even exists where the boss wants to know how he's doing. No, no, no. You, you just shut up and keep, you know, stacking those bricks. All right. So I just got a message, uh, a question from a guy on the uh-huh. Discord named Bubba, and he asked me, what do you think about I took this job to get experience? Like, what does that tell you as an employer? Um, it would depend on the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, because um, if you say you took this job just for the experience, what, what you're saying is that um, you decided to work for a lower rate than you could probably get elsewhere. Um. It's like many years ago, um, my father used to play in minor league baseball. 
And he could have gone to the major leagues, but he said the reason why he decided to go to the minor league teams is because when you're in the minor leagues, you play every single day. Where if you're on the majors, you're on this big, gigantic roster. Uh, and you may not play, but maybe once or twice out of a season. And so it's like when somebody comes to you and says, hey, I'm here for the experience. Um, the picture I'm getting here is that, you know, you're, you're telling me that you can work elsewhere for a lot more money, but it's a job with less opportunity and different kind of conditions. And so by you coming to me saying I'm here for the experience, it's like you're really here to put up with any nonsense or garbage or pay that I'm willing to give you. And that's something I would really appreciate because it's it's like even though you're in it for yourself, you have like some self uh, um, some self-serving motives. Um, it kind of puts us on the same page. So I know that, hey, you know, after you're done here, you're going to go on somewhere else. So, you know, maybe you may be with me three months, six months or maybe a year. And even if you said that up front, I would definitely appreciate that and hire you knowing that, you know, we, we have this understanding that you're not going to be with me forever, that you're not going to, uh, um, quote unquote, be loyal to this situation, that you're just here for self-serving purposes. But for the time you're here, you're going to give me everything you got. You can give me 110% of what you have. And I'm, I'm going to be happy with that, you know? Yep. And so one more, one more, there's been an argument going on in the stage chat about telling your employer in the interview about that you're wanting to be a temporary employee. Okay. So what do we mean by temporary so employee? We'll say, we'll call it a summer job. Cause that's the, that's the, that's the, uh, the, the situation that they've been posting in the, in the stage chat is someone wants to be, a uh, HVAC service tech for the summer. Mm -hmm. And they, and all the guys are saying, don't say you want to be a temporary. Right. And so I, I just want to get your opinions. Like if, if you come into an interview saying, Hey, I want to be here for, well, we'll say six months. Mm -hmm. Right. We'll just put six months on the table as, as an arbitrary number. Mm -hmm. How do you take that as, as someone behind the table? Um, as long as I know I can get six months out of you and I know I'm going to get my, I'm going to recruit my investment. I'm probably going to be okay with it. And, and, and if, if that's not going to work for me, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, um, up front, that's not going to work. We really expect you to be here a year or more, which I can't lock you down. I mean, it's like the smart thing would be to, you know, thank them for their honesty versus, you know, say, no, no, we want you to be here for two years. Okay. I'll be there for two years and still quit after six months. You know what I'm saying? So I think okay. if you, if, if you're smart in that approach, um, you would probably accept that offer as an employer. And so it's interesting. Here. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because um, because the main thing is, you know, you're talking about what your bottom line is going to be. And um, is it going to cost me more to hire you than it is that you're going to then then I'm going to make off of you. That, that, that's that's what I'm that's the number I'm always thinking about as an employer. Let's see. So I'm just reading through some of the comments here. Um, got one comment says the biggest issue I've seen is employees who like to complain to other employees and not to the employer. Yeah, I, I, I think an employer would want to know if, if if somebody has a problem or or a grievance, or at least if they didn't, they just said, you know, go back to work, you know, then you're a terrible employer. And then another comment here says your experience won't be that valuable. You won't be respected. Uh, your work will likely not be very fulfilling. Yeah, I think that depends on the type of shop you're working in. I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, as, as kind of, bad as this sounds is yes. all experience is good experience. I agree. Because if you were in a situation where you were treated like a doormat and walked all over and 
you did everything bad all the time. You know you don't like that. You learned something from that. It wasn't a fun time. You didn't enjoy it, but you've, right. you've gained something out of that employment. So I think every single job opportunity is an opportunity to learn. So even if you work for somewhere that's bad, like I worked in residential production, I hated going to work every day because it was the same seven houses every day, day in, day out. Mm-hmm. It was the same mistakes being yeah. made every mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. And so when when I got my... When my old boss called me and said, hey, I got work. I need you. I said, peace out, guys. I'm going to go be a real electrician now. Right. Uh huh. So I, I learned that I can survive in production. I don't like it, but I can mm-hmm. do it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and um, but then it's like as an employer, if I see that you're not happy in your job at some point, especially if I'm a good employer, I, I'm probably going to ask you to start looking elsewhere. Just so you're not dragging the rest of the team down. It's like I, I could definitely appreciate the fact that you're coming to work every day. You're working hard. You're really knocking it out. But if your heart's not in it, if, if you're not really happy here, well, isn't? Um, couldn't you have that conversation where with the employee saying, "Hey, man, what do you not like? What can I? What can I do for you mm-hmm. to get the fire back in your eyes?" Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But of of course. But you know, if 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 this just is not your thing, you know, yeah. there's no way you're not going to get that fire back in your eyes, period. The only thing that's going to get you fired back in your eyes is, 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 is to do something that you really love doing. Yep. And, right. and if going back and correcting the same mistakes over and over again, no motivational speech is going to fix that. No. If, no won't. You know, the only thing that's going to fix that if I, is if I fix that problem. But if I'm perfectly happy, you know, paying these guys $5 an hour just to get the stuff in the wall... And then we'll fix it later. And, you know, because if it's wired up wrong, it's still going to pass inspection. Yep. You know, visually at least, you know. And then we're ready for the trim out and the certificate of occupancy and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's the time that, 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 um, that we'll fix it. Now, it seems to be a bit backwards, you know, from, um, you know, from a worker standpoint. But when you're looking at crunching the numbers and you're sitting in the office and you're looking at, like, you know, when the different draws come and when the different... Uh, payments come in, you're thinking, okay, if we can just rush all this in so we can get, get our next, you know, our next payment, then we'll be a lot better off fixing this later on. And of course, you know, it's really a backwards and terrible way of doing business, but sometimes you have to do it that way based upon the circumstances that you're under. Um, because even like in construction, you'll find yourself in a situation that's like if you're a manager or even like the business owner where you're not going to get the time or opportunity or uh, a latitude to do things the right way all the time. Yep. And I think one thing to keep in mind, one of the people in stage chat said it pretty well. They said that all the things we're talking about, that's going to be, these are all exceptions to working with a good company. Oh, if absolutely. You're just, if you're working for a bad company, the, my, my best advice to you, man, is get out as quick as you can and find somewhere good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But then I think through all this, which, you know, he's absolutely right. And I think through all this, it kind of also, you know, as, as, as you go through these processes and, and time goes on, and you learn these things. I think this is what helps employees become better employees and employers become better employers. Because you wake up one day and said, oh, wow, I, I've been mistreating my people all this time. Now it's time to make a change. Well, I mean, and 
you can only hope a lot of the times they don't care, you know, mm-hmm. they're just, yeah, that's true. Yep. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're okay with the high turnover rate. They can just train someone to be the pipe guy again, you know, <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Have the assembly line mentality of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, just want to go back to like, we were talking about earlier about temporary um, workers and I'm looking at another comment here that says, I don't care if you're passing out resumes on the moon, never tell your employer that you're temporary. And I think that all depends on whether or not you're dealing with a good employer or not. And I mean, if that's your conviction, you know, by all means, stick with it. Um, Because I've seen situations where companies like have had a two-week notice policy before you resign or before you quit. And But then they go and they put in their two weeks notice and the employer basically lets them go right there on the spot. And says, oh, you give me two weeks notice? No, 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 you you can be done today. Pack up your stuff, leave right now. Yep, I, and I so love kind of, those shops where they require two weeks notice and they fire you as soon as you hand in the paperwork. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> those are great places to work. Yeah, yeah, I tell you. <laughs> so I, I can understand why you would keep that close to the breast. You know, I can understand why you're not going to tell anybody you're going until it's time to go. Also, one tip, when you find, when you have a good thing going do your best not to ruin it man like work your ass off open that communication line with you and your boss and if you if you have to leave don't burn bridges that is a huge thing is don't burn a bridge because of a couple extra dollars an hour do things the right way sometimes you can't avoid it but burning bridges is the absolute worst thing you can do because you never know when you're going to need a job again you just closed an opportunity by burning that bridge absolutely that, that is definitely great advice and on that note uh we're going to thank you for joining us for another podcast electrician you and i just want everybody to know that we have all kinds of trade related material and educational resources uh which are available at electricianu.com And you can also go to our YouTube channel where we've got free videos uh, where we have instruction and demonstrations and all kinds of things to help you along in your career. And um, if you want to get more in depth with it, uh, we also have a membership plan here at Electrician U. So if you're studying for a state exam or you just want to edify your own knowledge, um, we offer a very comprehensive and detailed array of videos, study guides, interactive forums, uh, practice tests, and even online classes. And it's all available for $19.99 a month, which is just under 70 cents a day. And so I know more, you know, most of us are paying more than that in gas and coffee every day. So 70 cents a day could not be that much for most people's budgets. Uh, so take a moment just to check out what we have at electricianu.com. And so we encourage you also to participate in all of our uh, social media forums, our, um, our social media platforms, our Discord uh, server. And again, if you want the best of what EU has to offer, um, the membership with Electrician U has its advantages. So until next time, I'm Brock Lancaster. I'm here with Matt Bergman, and we thank you. And this has been the EU Podcast. Thank you.